Nice to know. Awesome. You ever sat in the dugout? Yes. Rory, thanks very much for joining us at the Regional Football Hub. We certainly appreciate you taking the time to have a chat to us and passing some advice and to all the players and, and coaches that, uh, that have been following us. Um, so welcome. You're our first guest that we've, we've interviewed that's not currently in Australia. So we certainly uh, appreciate uh, you taking the time and we're glad the, the hour we had to do it wasn't too bad. So we're quite happy to have you on today and hope everything's going okay as much as it possibly can be and uh, you're not too cold at the moment. No, uh, um, the weather here has been um, exceptionally um, nice, a bit, wind, a bit windy yesterday, but today it's, um, you know, for us over here, it's, it's a fairly warm day, so we're looking at nice weather at the moment. Excellent. Well, just before we get into the football side of things, do you have a favourite sport outside of football? Um, yeah, I like um, watching um, uh, uh, Formula One and uh, motorsports. And Good. one of my ambitions is to go to Bathurst and watch that one day. Are you going to say my ambition was to go to Bathurst and race around the track one day? But... Well, um, possibly. I did a, a track. I did a track race up in uh, in England recently. My son bought me a. Um, I, I passed for the day and I, I drove around in, a, I, well, I didn't drive, I let the other guy drive because he could go faster in a McLaren and a, another um, and a Porsche. So, you know, it was quite exciting. All right. Well, when you, when you finally get back to Australia, um, I'll certainly uh, help you out with the lap around the track. And if you can time it for when it's October, we'll, we'll certainly uh, get to the, the big race together. That would be, that would be fantastic. I'd love that. Uh, first club that you played for, and who's your favourite team? Uh, first club I played for was uh, Bristol Rovers. Um, I left when I was a young player, about 16, 17. They took me up there for about two years. Um, Oxford United for a little while, and then back to the Swans then. Played in the reserves there. Unfortunately, didn't make the first team. But uh, um, that's shown me... I've always looked at why I didn't, and that has helped me as a coach to see the reasons why I didn't make that extra step. Maybe it was motivation. I, I don't know. Maybe I was enjoying other things in life as well. But uh, no complaints. Do you have a worst habit or any, any bad habits? Um, I, do like, uh, I do like vanilla slices. And... Um, <laughs> I do like um, chocolate, but because I'm not really massive, I suppose <laughs> I can get away with it. <laughs> More than I can, anyway. <laughs> when the wife, that's when the wife isn't watching, of course. <laughs> uh, funniest players or coaches you've, you've come across in your time? Um, favorite players and coaches? Yeah, funniest. Oh, the funniest. Uh, yeah. Well, I was luckily enough to get involved with the Australian team many, many years ago. I don't know if you knew that. And I used to find John Cosmina and a few of the boys and Eddie Thompson, who's passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. And 
beautiful Joe Watson. Uh, those were my good friends. Um, they were quite funny and we had some hilarious, uh, Charlie Judasich, I don't know if you know him. He was a physio. Okay. Um, he was, yeah, he was very funny. And Frank Arick, I don't know if you remember yeah. Frank. Yeah. He was, uh, he was extremely funny on occasions. Excellent. Yeah. So those were, uh, for some of the older coaches, they, they'll yeah. know. And Norm Boardman, of course. Ah, Stormy Normy. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I owe quite a bit to him. We, we exchanged a lot of ideas um, in, the, in the years past. Yeah. Excellent. You just briefly said there, Roy, that you had a bit of time with the Australian team. And I remember when we were over in Swansea, you showed us a little photo and you went through that. Can you explain a bit of your time being involved with the national team? Yeah, well, it was it was all coincidence. Uh, I worked for Sydney City uh, as then in the old National League. Eddie Thompson was the manager and he sort of liked me and he asked me if I wanted to help out with the Australian team. Basically, I ended up really doing a number of jobs, looking after the kits, doing the meals, doing the travel, training facilities. So I was like, uh, and I learned quite a bit about how to handle professional footballers working for the Australian team. So um, that's how it got going. And there was about 60 games, actually. World Cups and some things, the youth World Cup finals in Russia with the youth team. So I was like a bit of a hands-on dog's body, take the goalkeepers, um, uh, so forth. So I, in them days, it was only about four or five staff. Now, obviously, there's, you know, yeah. maybe 20. Um, I'm trying to think of the goalkeeper now. I'll come back to him in a moment. But I did a lot of work uh, with the goalkeepers with the Australian team as well. Very great, um, like going to university, I suppose, of football. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Looks yeah. like you had the most important job, Roy, looking after the goalkeepers, mate. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Um, oh, I'm to, uh, he's going to kill me. I'm trying to think of the goalkeeper's name now. <laughs> anyway, I'll come back to it maybe later. It'll come to me like that. Hopefully. Too easy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, whether it be your playing days or coaching now, do you have any match day superstitions that you must do before a game? Um, yeah, I, uh, when I managed in the Middle East, I managed a team over there, a professional team for, for a while. And I used to um, just envisage the hotel room that I'm in just before the game. When I came back, would I, um, would, would I remember where everything was or would I be overwhelmed with a game or... Um, that was just, that was a bit silly. I used to play music a little bit on my uh, headphones going to the game. If I was with the players in the bus, I wouldn't. But if I was travelling in the car, I'd have my music on. But um, just try to remember all the things I'd learnt from a, the Australian team and different coaches, um, and try and be myself. Don't try and to be um, somebody else. Try and be yourself. You live, you know. And you, you 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 live or die by by your own style, your own behaviour. Don't try and be somebody else. I always try to remember that. But uh, that's it, really. And uh, obviously, if you won, you were great. If you got beat, you're not great. Yeah. It's your fault, not the players. Uh, when you were playing, or even now, do you have a favourite meal or drink? Um, I love Italian food. Uh, um, like most footballers, I think pasta and uh, um, mozzarella cheese and fresh crusty bread. That's my favourite meal. Perfect. Yeah. So we had a dollar for every. Sorry. 
No, I don't tell the missus that because she likes to cook. And that's so <laughs> she, she goes nuts. Anyway. I feel she doesn't want to show it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Uh, if you had a dollar for every time you had a coffee meeting in football, how rich would you be? Zero. I never drank a cup of coffee in my life. Oh, my God. Old cup of tea. Sorry, I've had drunk one cup of tea when I was in the dentist when uh, um, something happens and they made me drink a cup of tea. Never drank a cup of, uh, sorry, never drank a cup of coffee. Very drink, very, very rarely drink alcohol. Um, I like orange juice and uh, good uh, Riverina orange. Um, <laughs> I, like I used it. to see a lot of them in the trees when I used to go up to Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you were to host a dinner party, Roy, who would be the first people you do invite, and who would be? Ah, oh, right. I, 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 I like, yeah, David Attenborough. <laughs> um, what else did I write down there? David Attenborough, uh, Roy Keane, or Maradona, one of them two. Uh, Ernest Shackleton, the explorer. Uh, Boris Johnson, just to see what he's really like. Uh, and, and Margaret Thatcher. From the female side of things, she was an ex-prime minister. She was a leader, yeah. and uh, it'd be interesting to see how they, most of them are leaders. And I'm interested in leadership and uh, yeah. how they deal with people. And uh, you know, it's probably a load more, but those were those are the um, ones off the top of my head. There's probably another twenty or thirty more I can think of. Um, Frank Arrock, I definitely involved. He'd be <laughs> another one if you remember yes. him. Yeah, 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 for sure. He was a character. Yeah. Well, in a, entertaining, uh, entertaining dinner parties for sure. Absolutely. Uh, you got to pick a, you got to pick a five-a-side team from players you've played yeah. with, or against, yeah. or, or you've coached with. Who, who's on it? Uh, and you can pick okay. yourself if you want. You're the coach, so it's up to you. Uh, I, okay. Um, okay. Um, Frank Farina. Yeah. Uh, uh, a guy called Ollie McBurney plays for Sheffield United now. Yep. Which, uh, the club sold him about a year or so ago. I used to coach him with the 23s. Uh, Dan James with Man United. Yeah. Uh, because some of the stuff we did at training, he uses now for Man United. And uh, where he cuts in and bends it into the top corner. John Cosmina used to do that a lot. And I got it from him, really. Okay. And uh, as a coach, Michael Ludrup. Yeah. 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 Imagine. Yeah. And, and Eddie Thompson, God bless his soul. 100%. So you got a few subs there, but that's all right. Um, so obviously I met you when you came to Riverina um, to, to, to work as a regional coaching development manager. What, what drew you to come to Australia for that, for that job? What was, what was the draw card well, for you? What was happening at that stage of your life? How did it come about? Well, funny, yeah, well, funnily enough, I'd been, I just left the, the club in the Middle East. I, I'd just taken up a job as the technical coach at Swansea City Football Club. And I thought I'm going to be there for a while. And then um, I got contact from Football New South Wales. And they, off, they offered me if I was interested in a job. And what, uh, I, I inquired what it was about. But I always wanted to come back to Australia. Um, my heart is in Australia, a part of it anyway. And um, I inquired and it was that job you just mentioned. And uh, uh, I, I said, right, let's go for it. And uh, probably one of the best decisions I've made, you know, 
ever really. I, I, I had a great time there, and uh, that's why I probably want to return one day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that's great. That's awesome that uh, you mentioned you want to come back because um, obviously we, we knew you wanted to come back this year, so that's a shame. But uh, at least sometime in the future, um, when you come back, we'll, we'll definitely you know catch up in person. Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. Especially go to Bathurst. Yeah, for sure. I won't have to travel then. You'll come to me. Perfect. <laughs> so you speak about your time in Riverina and also a little bit in capital football. Do you have any clear highlights of your time here? Um, yes. Um, one and a, it, it won't be like a very sexy one, uh, but for me, very satisfying. <laughs> well, it was um, we had a, a Riverina team uh, from all the four regions, and we got it together. And we trained for a few months, and then we played against the Mariners, I think, in yeah. um, in uh, Valentine's Park, mm-hmm. and we give them a very very good game. And um, uh, what I did, what I, I hope I did, was give those players in the Riverina the, um, the insight how to, be, how to train and play like, like a professional, you know. And for me, the, um, there were some really good players in that squad um, who, if given the chance uh, and given the opportunity and the training environment, would have gone on to be decent, really decent players. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, one other as well was obviously the hospitality from people like uh, Andrew Mason, in particular. He, was, he became a good colleague. He was a he was a critical colleague, but that was excellent because he was always analysing what I was saying. And um, so I found Andrew a, a decent guy. And then the two young coaches, which uh, which was mentioned earlier on, but sorry, which was uh, which I'd like to mention. Sorry, uh, that's uh, Jordan and um, and Ben. Uh, ben came over to see me at Swansea, I believe, with yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Jordan, I, uh, I, and Jordan, Jordan didn't, did he? No, no, no. No, he didn't get. These two, these two no, no. clowns didn't invite him. They should have. Anyway, yeah, that was but, these are the guys I'll catch up with when I come back to the Riverina. And, uh, um, and so those are the sort of things, the influence, I hope that those two, co- uh, those three coaches in particular um, benefited, though, I can say, because those two young coaches, I met them, funny enough, was uh, I went to a game, like an under, six, uh, under 15 college game or school game, and they stood out a little bit. And I asked them all together as a group, any of you interested in coaching? Could I need some help? And those are the two who um, sort of came forward. And obviously, they've, I hope, I think, they've, they've acquitted themselves quite well since. <laughs> Did I hear you right? Did you say Ben Smith stood out playing? I can't be right, can it? Uh, he's, he was sub on the day, but he just looked good <laughs> in the water. <laughs> yeah, the, think... ball went his, the ball went under his feet a few times, but... Uh, I, I was able to help him a little bit, like keep his eye on the ball and uh, and don't don't lash the ball every time he gets it. Love it. You, you <laughs> spoke about, I suppose, you know, giving the Riverina players an experience of playing at a professional level. I remember when I was 11, 12 at that time, doing a few camps out of Rambler and um, it was definitely a highlight of coming through. It was out there for a couple of days and was definitely a, a step up from anything I had done. And uh, So, yeah, it was definitely an experience of playing at a professional level there. Here we are. Fantastic. 
Liam mentioned that you spent some time in the Riverina and Capital. What were your thoughts on the players in both regions? Uh, look, players are the same throughout the world. I've coached in a few countries. It's all about being given the opportunity, meeting the right coach, um, having the right influence, the right environment, the right coaching curriculum, and having a lot of luck. I don't matter where you go, but I, I played a little bit in Africa for two years and coached in Africa. And uh, there's players there. Like I went to Africa um, recently, about two or three years ago, with the Swans to do with the Premier League. And we, we coached in Cape Town. And there was a 15-year-old player who I recommended to come back. He, 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 you know, he, he was playing for a local club. Um, he, he wasn't known, but he had all the attributes of a Swansea City player that we were looking for. And again, like in Africa, you, you know, there was another situation where we went out into the suburbs and there was kids playing there. And, one, and there was kids with one football boot on. And I said to him, What's that? What's, why have you only got the one boot? And he said, oh, my other friends got my other boot. And, uh, and you know, so that sort of thing. And uh, so it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in uh, Barcelona, you're in Wagga, or you're in Swansea, or in, um, in, in middle of Africa. All players have the same, what I think, there's lots, so many players there who, if given the right opportunity, like yourself, um, you know, and as a coach, coaches, so many good coaches out there, but never given the opportunity, you know? So it's a, yeah. you've got to make your own luck. You've got to be forward. You've got to be pushy. You've got to believe in what you're doing. Like Mark Bosnich, for example, I remember many years ago when I worked, uh, this is a long time ago, when I worked up at Valentine's Park, he came to me, I think he was 14, 15, and he said to me, um, look, I'm thinking of going over to Britain. Can, do you know anywhere I can stay? I said, well, you can stay by my mum if you want. It never eventuated. But look, there's an example of someone who had uh, intrinsic motivation to, to go ahead, but you've got to have a little bit of luck as well, and you've got to have the right opportunity. So, you know... There's players in Wagga, if given the chance, uh, in the Riverina, for example, sorry, if given the chance, would definitely get into the academy at Swansea City. Definitely. Yeah. Within a regional area, did you ever have um, challenges of having to travel a lot or did you have to stop over and have a sleep somewhere or how do you find those challenges? Well, I used to go up to Griffith quite a bit, uh, to Kutamundra, I think, a very beautiful little town stop there. I've still got some stuff in the house, which I bought from some hardware stores there and some antique shops. Um, Aubrey, Stephen Haynes, uh, I don't know if any of you remember Stephen. Yeah, yeah, Haines, of course. Still around, Steve. Uh, yeah. Another guy, I know, again, uh, a critical thinker, could be outspoken on times, but um, a good ally, a good, a good coach, good person. And I'll, I'll try and catch up with him one day as well when I get back. Uh, yeah, so traveling was definitely one of them. But I had a good set of music in the car. Um, I, let, I didn't mind traveling. I found the countryside very interesting, especially going towards from Wagga to um, Griffith, where there was a lot of bush. And, you know, um, I thought... I just thought the countryside was intriguing. And when you got to Griffith, then you did see all the grapes and the oranges and, and um, the down-to-earth people, which, you know. Um, and Italian restaurants too. Oh, 
Spot on, right. yes, absolutely. A lot of Italians in Griffith, absolutely. And the Southwest Slopes, I remember I used to do some, uh, some coaching workshops there with mums and dads and local coaches. And uh, I used to take Ben and then Jordan with me on those things. And, uh, you know, I, I just love giving out information. That, that's why on my return, when I do come back, I'll uh, offer these services to the people that uh, I, you know, who, who supported me then. Yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah. Beautiful. So across uh, your time in Riverina Capital, so in Australia, and then compared to your time essentially at Swansea City, comparing age groups of players, if there are 12, where would you see the difference between the average players? And does it increase as they get older towards 16, 17, or is the gap probably the same? So well, there's some yeah. special players that are going to jump out of the box, but, but as, a, um, as a standard average, how do you see that? Well, um, at Swansea City Football Club, um, we're, we're under the auspices of the Premier League. Well, when I joined the club, they were a Premier yeah. League club, the championship now. But we're still a Category 1 academy. Um, the players that has come from the academy into the first team and made debuts, we're talking about 14, 15 players. Some are regulars, more regular than others. Dan James, for example, Ollie McBurney are two examples. Uh, they've gone on to do very well for themselves. Um, um, so, you know, the environment of the academy, the curriculum, the coach support, uh, the, uh, the opposition, for example, you know, we play Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, Man City. We play all the big Premier League clubs. We go, we go around the world. We go to South Africa. We play, play in Europe against um, an island, for example. And so the, you know, the level of the opposition that you're playing against on a regular basis brings out that challenge, uh, brings out um, the best in every player. So you, you've got to realize, you know, your limits, what you like. Some people, for example, uh, when I was in WOG, I thought they were, you know, really decent players, and they weren't. They, they, and then there was other players who potentially weren't looked upon, and I saw things in those players that we would sign here. For example, okay. being a good person, yeah. intrinsic motivation, the ability to learn, and the desire to learn, you know. So, uh, there you Excellent. From your time over here, what do you think are the major things that need to be improved for Australian football to become that force in world football? Well, again, geographic. I mean, the A League. Um, I, I, I've lost a little bit of contact, but I believe the A League is becoming much better, uh, more stronger, the bigger crowds, more professional, more exposure on the TV. That's where the players, the regional players. Um, need to look at, get into those clubs. Um, I know it's a little bit of a distance from Wagga or Griffith or Southwest Slopes or Riverina, generally to Sydney, because you're talking about a five-hour drive, I think, if I remember rightly. It's a yeah. big commitment. Here, for example, in Britain, <coughs> excuse me, London is only two and a half hours. Uh, you can get there by three hours in a train. Very, there's trains every hour. You can get to Manchester, and go to Bristol within an hour, Birmingham within an hour, two hours, where we got West Bromwich Albion, we got Wolverhampton Wanderers. So it's a different environment. Uh, 
But Australia, again, has advantages over Britain, like, for example, uh, the weather. I know it's non-football, but, yeah. uh, you know, unless you're a top player, football isn't the be-all and end-all. Life is quite, um, you know, you mustn't forget about life in general, you know, and what you've got there. You're very, Australia's a fantastic country. Um, you know, I'm, as I'm speaking to you now, I'm thinking, crikey, I just renewed my, uh, my uh, passport only about a month, a uh, few months ago. So I'm all ready to go. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the main difference, I think, the environment. But listen, don't underestimate the A-League and the Australian football. Don't underestimate it. It's very good. And what, I picked up lots of stuff from there, especially working in capital football and Riverina, that you must look for the best of the best, get the very best players, and work with those as an elite group. And the ones underneath will see this group and try and get into it. So, like, for example, like, I used, we used at Swansea City a system I used in capital football and in, uh, um, and in the Riverina, where we got the best players together. And every Monday night at Swansea, we would have the best uh, 12s, 13s, 14s, and 15s training all together. It's about 14 of them. And I'm pleased to say there's about at least nine of those players um, are either scholars or professional players at the club. So I got that. So, you know, it's not just about what's good in Britain, it's what's good in yep. uh, with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. It's just a good, on a just slightly different tact. I mean, the two boys you spoke about, Ben and Jordan. Uh, oh, yeah. I've had, a, I've had a bit to do with them in their, in their, their coaching rise since um, uh, they were initially started with, with, with you. I mean, funny enough, their, their version of how they started coaching is pretty much exactly the way that you described it. Um, oh, and they both, they both credit you as, as essentially their first uh, mentors and inspiration to get involved in coaching. So uh, they both want to pass, pass on their thanks for that. Uh, where I'm leading to is uh, mentoring. How do you see that as um, being important for coaches? Uh, what experience did you have when you were on your pathway from, from other coaches that helped you on your journey? And do, do you see yourself now as a, a mentor? Like you obviously you've seen with Ben and Jordan when you were here in Riverina that they were boys you could take under your wing to put them on a, a coaching journey. Um, so yeah, just what, what experiences do you have in terms of mentoring and how do you see it? How important, how important is it for coaches? Well, I look back to Sydney City and Eddie Thompson again. And uh, when he asked me to come into the, to join the club and on the first night, all the players were there. It was about... 10 internationals. <clears throat> it was about 33 degrees. I was down by the beach in Sydney. And he introduced me as one of the new staff members of the youth team. There was a few other coaches there. And there was about 25 players. Um, you know, like John Cosmina was one of them, for example. And uh, he said, because um, he used to call me Taffy. And... Uh, he just turned to me and he said, right, Taffy would take the players on a warm-up. And I went, uh, uh, right, okay. So as what he did, he put me in the deep end straight away. Yeah. So I had a tracksuit on and all the players had, uh, all they had was a, a bib. They didn't even have a shirt, a pair of shorts. Some of them had swimming trunks and boots and socks. I had a full tracksuit because I wanted to, you know, impress, I suppose. So I started to run with the players I said, right, follow me and all that stuff. And they were all whistling, you know, 
Wolf Whistle's up my tracksuit goes. And I, <laughs> anyway, I took it all off and I ended up basically in my pair of shorts and my boots. And um, I, one of the things I realized from that uh, experience was, uh, you know, be one, don't try and be different, too different. Yeah. Anyway, so there I was given that opportunity. So I believe that if I was out there now coaching and there was someone who looked, um, who had some potential, I'd, I'd put him in the deep end. If he did well, I'd give him encouragement, but not too much. If he didn't do so well, or she didn't do so well, because you know, you've got to look at female coaches as well, quite, yeah. is I would, uh, I'd say to you, listen, learn from that now. And uh, I'm going to keep you on. I think you're, you know, and then I'd give a lot of encouragement. But uh, my main job at the Swans, going, going back to Swansea City, was doing the, was mentoring all the coaches. Mm -hmm. And we had a, a coaching development plan. Yeah. Everyone had a plan. What their, what we used to call it, their Mount Everest, what they want to be in five years' time or ten years' time, and steps on how to get there. How are they going to do it? What they want to do and. Uh, so forth. So uh, an individual plan for a coach, not just for players, but for coaches. Being a trusted advisor, um, not, um, you know, um, not bullshitting then, excuse me saying that. Um, being trustworthy. Um, giving them as much knowledge as you got. Showing them where to go and find some extra knowledge if you, if you don't have the answer. Give it a, matching them up with a coaching buddy. At the yeah, club, finding a coach, say, for example, you've got an under-12 coach. and you, I, I, So I used to do this at the club. Then I'd, I'd match him up with the under-23 coach. And he'd go and watch him and work with him a little bit or her. And, and so they would learn from each other. Um, uh, having a good CPD program, that's a continuous professional development program. Where I would bring in lecturers um, or be the first-team coach. Depending who the manager was at the time, we had some, like, um, Graham Potter was excellent, class, class. Uh, he was very good. Um, so we used to go and watch, we used to take, I used to take the coaches up and watch the first team train. He was very open, he used to share everything. Um, so, you know, those are the sort of things I did at the club. Uh, very simple things, yeah. uh, not too complicated. Good curriculum, yeah. making sure the curriculum was very technical, uh, very realistic, it covered everything like volleys, half volleys, chipping the ball, bending the ball, swerving the ball, things that we forget about. Yeah. Um, bending the ball, like um, Dan James, for example. Um, but I, I, re I rewrote the curriculum for the... Because we get audited, see, by the Premier League every three years. And so I had to... Uh, ensure that the football side of things at the club was um, a um, presented, and then the Premier League would check that what we're doing is what we say, you know. So all yeah. those things there. I mean, I've, I know I've scooped over them a little bit, um, but um, in a nutshell, those oh, in bullet points, those are the main things there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So just on the curriculum, when you're at Swansea City and you're working with the coaches, how did you engage them in terms of session designs and session planning? How much was led by you and how much was essentially led by them individually? How, how did you integrate all the, all the coaches you had in designing sessions? 
well, we had a, a, a certain philosophy of playing, a co coaching, a playing philosophy, and a coaching philosophy. Like, for example, one of the playing philosophies, all we always played up from the back whenever possible. So it was a possession game, um, especially for um, the young coaches. When it got to more competitive, obviously you can be a bit more direct if you're like you're losing one nil and uh, five minutes to go, something like that. But uh, in the younger squads, it would stick to the philosophy, the playing philosophy. Then we had a coaching philosophy. And one of the main um, attributes of the um, coaching philosophy was um, interventions, ball rolling time. Um, so, for example, on interventions, um, not, um, not too often, do a lot of what we call um, coaching as they're playing, um, you can say, you know, simple instructions. You can speak to an individual while they're playing. If the ball's up the other end um, or the ball's going around them, you can still, rather than stop the whole game. Um, it was, um, those are the sort of things we looked at. Um, but we give the coaches a little bit of autonomy as well. We give them the framework, the curriculum. Um, we had a, a weekly curriculum. Um, and they they put their own um, personality onto it because every coach is different and you can't make them robots, you know. And you've got to have someone, if you're in charge, who understands that. Um, as long as they're on time, they dress reasonable, um, their sessions are high tempo, are realistic in, in their content. So you're not asking a full back to overlap from 40 meters or something, you know. Um, um, don't play uh, play combinations any way you want, but make sure that's the right decision to make. Um, stuff like that. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. You speak about, I suppose, giving your coaches a little bit of freedom. And what what do you look for in your coaches when you're looking to bring them into the Swansea environment? Okay. Um, number one is: Are they a decent person? Are they a decent person? Are they going to fit in with the, the philosophy of the club? Uh, are they going to, uh, ad, um, you know, do they believe in that philosophy? Um, are they a little bit cheeky, you know, a little bit creative? Um, so, and you know, are they responsible? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Those sort of things. And then you go from there. Um, very simple things, really. What have, what have you learned the most from your time at Swansea City Academy? Um, well, that is uh, how to deal with pressure from the Premier League. Uh, when you get audited by the Premier League, it, it's, it's quite an experience. Um, I could write a book on that. Um, <laughs> is that on your to-do uh, list? Pardon? Is that your to-do list? Write a book? Uh, oh, uh, well... Um, possibly, um, <laughs> possibly I could write a book. I think there's lots of stuff going on in there, especially out in Australia. Uh, when I met the prime minister, what was, oh, the prime minister, what was his name? The labor guy. I think he's dead now in the eighties. Um, give me some prime ministers. Oh, these labor kids are even born then. Paul yeah. Kane. <laughs> yes. Paul's Paul's Paul. Paul. He's liberal. Bob Hawke. Uh, Bob Hawke. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, I spent literally 20 minutes talking to him. He was an interesting guy. 
he was down to earth you know he's a he was yeah yeah loads of stuff I, yeah i suppose everyone can write a book yeah. everyone could all you guys could Carl's wouldn't be very interesting <laughs> uh, when you, you coach when you coaches at Swansea City how important was it uh, for coaches to have a playing history or was there a chance for nomads like us that, that haven't had a good playing um, career to, to be able to you know get a chance what, what what's important in that great question I'm glad you asked that when I did my UEFA Pro license, I did uh, for part of my um, my modules. Then <clears throat> was to do um, uh, my own research, and so what I did, I questioned three hundred players. Sorry, three hundred people included players, coaches, physios from different sports, managers, uh, psychologists. These uh, analysts, analysts, different types of people. And what I did, I give them 12 traits of a coach, including things like knowledge, experience, uh, qualifications, communications, et cetera, et cetera. Um, sense of humor was one, for example. One of them also was being an ex-player. And I'm, um, anyway, uh, I put all the the uh, results back together in a, in a research um, document. And the number one thing that came out on that from all those guys uh, was trust. Can you trust somebody? And for me, trust is uh, um, talking to someone without any suspicion. Okay. So freedom from suspicion. Yep. So when I'm talking to you now, I'm not holding anything back. I'm just giving you everything that I know. And that's what trust is. So I do trust you guys, obviously. Now, um, ex-player, sorry, trust was top. And then ex-player was down the bottom. And okay. I've done this quite a few times. So I wouldn't get hung up about that. I wasn't a top player. I was okay. Made a few quid. Um, traveled the world a little bit as a player, a little bit. But most of my stuff came as a coach only because I shoved my nose in, got it out of joint a few times. Like I always remember, one of the things uh, I, that sticks out in my mind when I go to Valentine's Park is you know the big gymnasium there. Yeah. It's still there, I believe. And it's got like a little veranda around the top, isn't it? Uh, you, you used to, but they've, they've rebuilt that building. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. There we go. Well, Frank Arick, we, there was about 150 coaches one night was on their way. Um, and Frank Arick was going to do the demonstration and the talk. And I was like yourself, a staff coach. But I was working for Sydney City at the time. Yeah. And the word came out that he couldn't make it. And I can't remember who was in charge at the time. Um, so he turned to us. He said, what are we going to do? Um, I said, well, I'll take the session. And he said, oh, okay. And they all said, all right, well, you do it. Anyway, I had the, funny enough, it was the Sydney City players, so I knew them. <laughs> with youth. Anyway, yep. long story short, we went in the barn in the, in the, in the, the gymnasium, the big hall there. And, uh, all the coaches were up in the veranda. I always remember it. And I, I just said to them, look, hi, guys. My name's Roy. It's Thomas. I work for Swan City City. I'm all 
Russell was a staff coach for the Indian footballers. So Frank Arick hasn't couldn't make it tonight. He's ill or something. So I'm going to do the second. Hope you don't mind. No one said no. It was a full booze, but that was from non board men and people like that. Uh, you know? <laughs> anyway, and what I did there was stub my nose out and I sort of gave myself a few, you know, brownie points. So don't be afraid to um, take the bull by the horns at times, you know. Got to be lucky as well, but I could have been in a shit session. <laughs> like it was good or lucky there's lots of booze? Um, one bloke booed. <laughs> but um, that was the goalkeeper because the ball kept going in the net, you know. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think I had any abuse. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, they clapped and all that stuff. And yeah, no, you know what, it. you know what coaching's like. If you could do a session now, you get people older was would pick holes in it, and the people yes. say, "Well done." That's the way it is. Don't don't get hung up on that. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's good advice. I like that. Excellent. Yeah. When we um, come over and visited you at Swansea City, you showed us some individual de development plans for players. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How important are they and how would regional coaches implement them? Um, well, you've got to have the... Um, the coach has to have the, um, the motivation to uh, implement this to the player. And the player then has to have the motivation to, um, to, to carry out... This plan because um, so it's a two-pronged approach. Um, I think if I don't know if you have implemented them or you have introduced them, um, but then again, you need you know when you're giving players feedback on their plan. For example, if someone wants to improve their running with the ball and head in, for example, then uh, you need to be able to video them. Um, and then give them some critical advice. Um, and then you've got to measure it. You know, um, for example, um, uh, you've got to be able to, you know, start off at a point and say, where do you want to go? For example, uh, um, I always like to say to a player, look, say, for example, you're a midfield player uh, for the Swans. Who's your favorite player? And he'll obviously name a Swans player. Uh, I say, right, what's he good at? At running with the ball or, de or defending one-on-one. -on -one. Give him a mark up to 10. Um, well, let's give him eight. Yeah, what about yourself? As compared to him, well, I'll give myself... Now, kids are funny because they might give themselves high scores. Mm -hmm. But um, you've got to sort of manipulate this. So say they four out of 10 compared to this player. Uh, and then say, right, okay, you're four. He's eight, nine maybe. So there's the difference that you've got to make up over the next um, number of seasons or sessions to try and get closer to that number eight or nine. The performance profiling, it's called. It's a great way of um, um, looking at using that, um, that process. But it's also good for coaches as well. So for example, if you want to be a good coach, who's, you, who's your favorite coach? What do you like about me? Like my favorite coach, one of mine was um, Bobby Robson, you know. The, again, you guys might not know him, but he was someone I met in Barcelona, and he, he, he influenced me quite a bit, his personality, his honesty. And, you know, I don't care what I say now to people. I believe in what I say. I believe in what I believe in, and that's it. I was standing in front. I always remember uh, on a UEFA uh, course, um, they got all the English-speaking coaches into a room. It was me from Wales. Um, 
Craig Brown from Scotland, I'm name dropping a bit here now. Bobby Robson was in there, a few people ran around. The, and uh, the guy, the, the chairman of the meeting got up and said, right, uh, we're going to talk now about the back pass. But in them days, back pass back to the keeper was just, weren't allowed to pick it up. I mean, that's how yeah. I'm, I'm looking back a long way back now. <laughs> and it was about 10 of us around the table. And mm. I was sitting next to a guy who had just, um, he was Dutch and he just lost in the World Cup final. Um, can't remember his name. He was at the side of me here. And I thought, oh my God, they're going to ask him first, then come to me. I was like, oh my God. And I was panicking. And then, but, then, but what he did, he started the other side around the table. Because over <laughs> the time he got to me, I was able to get my thoughts. I was a bit lucky there. But uh, I, always, I always remember that. Um, so I got up and I started speaking. And there was like, you know, these guys um, looking at me and going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I might have been talking bullshit. And I don't know. But <laughs> I don't think I was. I, I sort of come up with quite, something quite simple. But anyway, uh, I didn't worry about what I was saying. So I, advice to you guys is don't, as I mentioned earlier on, believe in what you're saying. Going back to your question, that IDB plan for players, you've got to be, um, you have to be um, up for it. And the player has. You can't just introduce it and be sloppy. You either do it or don't do it properly or don't do it at all. But you need to have someone to film the player in the games and sessions and refer to those and clip them and um, refer to, you know, say, look, you, you're running with, you need some evidence because the players said, no, I think I'm doing all right. Well, no, no, have a look at this. And then you show them a little clip and they go, oh, right. Right, okay. And then he's, you are his trusted advisor. Yeah. yeah. That's perfect. We've spoken a little bit, I suppose, about the importance of the curriculum, etc. What's your thoughts in systems of play versus principles of play and how important? System of play will, will if, you're a, if you're a young manager looking for a job and your club, the club that you're going for is, um, has a certain philosophy, you will have to fit your principles and, and principles, of principles of coaching are the same throughout the world. Like uh, defensive principles are uh, delay, um, second defender, balance, depth, concentration, all those old-fashioned ones, um, tackling ones, mobility, width, pro, uh, uh, penetration, like, but they're interpreted in different ways. So all the systems of play, you've got to have those principles that fit into them. But if you're going for a job, you've got, and it's a, it's a pretty decent club, they'll have a certain way of playing, but they want to attract the fans like Swansea City at, at a very... Um, distinctive way of playing in the Premier League, even as an ex-player and a, as an employee and a fan. I loved watching the Swans. At one stage, they were fantastic to watch. And I got some great clips, which I, I show when I go on doing some presentations. Uh, but they always employed the ma a manager who fitted in with those, point, with those uh, philosophy. Um, but underpinning all that, um, You've got to have the players. So yeah. players, you can't fit, you can't have the philosophies and the principles fitting into the players. You've got, um, sorry, you've got to have the right players that fits in with those principles. But if you're a club that hasn't got a lot of money and you're starting off and 
you know, you've got a small budget, you might have to work on the principles of what the strengths of the players. So, for example, now I'm Swansea City in the Premier League. We like to play uh, out from the back. We like to get into wide areas, um, have lots of combinations in wide areas, a um, lot of combinations in and around the box, get crosses in and, you know, stuff like that. We would buy players that fit into that system. If I'm a club like, for example, Wagga Wagga United, hasn't got much money, uh, and I, I, I would see what players I have, and I would, the principles, of the way we play would fit around the players. Yeah, great. So, yeah, you know, uh, he, it's all about the players. <laughs> yeah. All about the players. How much influence at the academy did the first team manager have on the things you talked about, playing philosophy, coaching philosophy? Did you have any any times where there was a distinct change of how the first team wanted to play, or was that fairly consistent for you? And if there was, how did that infiltrate into what was happening in the academy space? Right, the chairman uh, was not there now, um, who basically put everything into the club. The club was on its knees many, many years ago. Um, few people put a lot of their, their life savings into the club. The club grew, fantastic. So he had a certain way of playing. And it, as I said before, the club's philosophy was important. Um, and that was all the way through from the first team down to the academy. And um, as I said, right that, very early in, in, in this interview, um, some of the managers, were great. They, they interacted with the academy quite a bit. Some didn't um, for various reasons. A, the worst one was probably um, uh, uh, the manager when we were struggling. We were like third and fourth bottom from the Premier League. And all he was worried about was keeping the first team um, in, the, um, in the Premier League. And, you know, and, uh, you know, so... And then, uh, for example, at the moment now, um, sorry, Graham Potter, when he came in with the championship, I mentioned him. He was fantastic. He, he, and if, to be honest, his, the way that he interacted with the academy allowed these first-team players to make it, like Dan James and Ollie McBurney and Joe Roden. It might, it might have been um, and, and, uh, uh, Ben Davis, for example, the fullback, yeah. we're not Tottenham. He's another example. Um, you know, I remember Ben as a young player. Um, you know, will he, won't he? And then he was given that big break when uh, what, the fullback broke his ankle against Sunderland. I was there watching. He came on. He was only young and did quite well. Kept his place in the team. And the rest is history. So the influence on the manager isn't just about the manager, it'll be the situation of the team. Yeah. And the chairman, massive influence, massive influence. Um, even now with Trevor Birch, um, good guy, got the club at heart, doing a really good job under very difficult circumstances. Yeah. But um, I hope that's answered your question. I know I've gone around a little bit there, but... No, that's good. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Um, what is your focus now? So where's next for Roy? Right, well, I, um, I finished with the club about six weeks ago, uh, something like that, just before the pandemic, uh, funnily enough. I had, I had some contracts in China, uh, Italy, um, 
America. I, I did some work in India, for example. And obviously now with this lockdown, uh, all, all that work has been put on ice uh, for the moment. I'm hoping yeah. that um, will come back. I got my own company now. Um, um, Club in Ireland, you know, rang me the other day. They want me to get involved with them a little bit. So I think what I'm going to be doing now is working as an individual for my own company, uh, going to clubs uh, around the world, um, share it, uh, looking at, uh, getting them to concentrate on their, their club philosophy, their playing philosophy, their curriculums, and um, help them in that, in that way, like, like I've spoken about with you today. Use yeah. everything I've learned over the last many years and share with them. And if they like it and they want to adapt it, that'll be the way. So that's going to be my focus now for the next few years, including coming to, back to Australia to the Riverina, spending a few days, um, meeting up with everyone, uh, people I used to know very well, and maybe doing a seminar or two and um, sharing those ideas, you know? Excellent. Awesome. Um, I suppose since your time in the Riverina, we sort of spoke a little bit about it and we took over, uh, Walker City Wanderers shirt for you, but we've got now the Walker City Wanderers NPL teams, we've got teams in Griffith and all replaying NPL as well as um, in Southern and in Western New South Wales. How important do you think these programs are to give kids the access to be playing at that higher level week in, week out? Yeah, extremely important. Now, what will happen, the big clubs um, will send their scouts to these games. They will, um, they will they'll look for talent. Because again, every club has budgets. Rather than paying thousands on a player, uh, they might look at uh, bringing into their academy or into their reserve teams or their second teams these players that, um, the, these regional players, as you say. So I think it's so important, very important. And good luck as well. Cheers. What advice would you have for young regional footballers over here? Um, Watch as much football as you can on the TV. Go to as many games as you can so you can see um, maybe if you're a midfield player, how a midfield player plays for, you know, um, one of the uh, A-League teams. Um, don't put too much pressure on your mother and father because I know that some parents, um, or vice versa, I know some parents um, who have, unrealistic ambitions for their kids and um, they they do take extreme um, ways of 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 um, trying to make that happen like selling their house and going to live in Sydney yeah. <laughs> where the kid's only 13 and by the time he's 14 he might be playing rugby league or something so um, yeah and I've come across a few like that be realistic um, look for the coaches are going to help you the most like guys like yourself open-minded curious coaches um don't get i mean when i used to do some of the courses in wagga and around new south wales some coaches you know the older ones oh what's you on about i've seen this all before and all that and whatever whereas the younger coaches were like sponges so uh, um guys like yourselves influencing the young players encouraging them and having luck really but exposing them to the best players, like we do at the academy in Swansea, when you know you have young players in Swansea.
playing against Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, against the best players in London, Manchester, going to Barcelona for tournaments, going to America, LA Galaxy. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, that's how I see it going. But, you know, better luck as well. Uh, what advice would you have for coaches? Um, right. Be cheeky. Get your, get your nose in where it hurts. Don't be afraid like I did with Eddie Thompson. Uh, take, a, take, uh, take the opportunities when they come. Don't listen to what people who call you. Well, who's he? What's he done? Don't believe in what he's on about. Forget about those. Be positive. Stick with your, your, your target, that Mount Everest, I said. I still got ambitions now at my age. I still want things I, I want to do. I'd love to come back to Australia and maybe work there for a year or two, maybe manage um, a club um, or coach a club. I don't know about being a manager. Too political. Coach at the club rather than the manager, if you know what I mean. Uh, I'd rather be a coach than a manager. Um, unless I've got a big budget and I've got, uh, and, <laughs> and off my salary is already in the bank. If you know what I mean. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. I'll speak um, to Morgan City Wanderers for you, Roy. So they can sort out. Well, what, well, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a privilege that would be. <laughs> to, work, to work for Wagga Wagga, what a privilege. Believe me. I'd, I, I tell you what, I would live in Wagga because it's got everything I need there. Everything I need in Wagga, and I've got a young son now, and uh, I've got to try and persuade the missus to come back there for, you know, for at least a season or something, you know? Excellent. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> I've been threatening to come back for, for years, but the job at the Swans was so, it was so interesting and so yeah, yeah. well paid. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Swansea yeah. City or Wagga? Oh. Well, <laughs> yeah, 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 but now, now it's a totally different perspective on it. Yeah. You know? Um, believe me. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we've got one common question we ask everyone who comes on and we always get told they shouldn't be compared, but we're going to continue to do so. Is, yeah, are you a Messi or Ronaldo fan? Right. About six months ago, we did a CPD session, a continuous professional development session with all the coaches of the club. We had about 20-odd coaches there. And that question was posed. And um, what we did, we had um, something you might have to think about. We had, a we had a table and two and four chairs. On one side of the table with two chairs was a Messi admirer. On the other end was a Ronaldo admirer. And people had to come up and down and, uh, and be challenged in those chairs why they thought. So here's, here are some of the, um, the analysis on both, right? And I'll give you my one at the end. Right. Um, a, it depends what team you're playing for. If you're Barcelona, it would be Messi. Okay. If it was Swansea City, it would be Ronaldo. If you like to play ticky-tacky football, it would be Messi. If you want individual um, stuff, you know, more individual, like Chelsea Football Club, um, it would be uh, Ronaldo. I came across, I, I, I put a bit of a spin on it, and I said, well, forget about football a little bit. If you're in a nightclub and you're not going to pull a woman, then it would be Ronaldo. 
wouldn't be messy. Yes, he needs all, he's all the help he can get at a nightclub too, Roy. So, <laughs> so my, my one was purely for the goals that you scored, Ronaldo. Uh, that was, I was on the Ronaldo side, but it's not much between. I, I'd love to have the two of them. Can you imagine that? But yeah. uh, that was, um, yeah, it was a very interesting debate and it got quite personal. And uh, <laughs> those were some of the reasons, you know, uh, who they played for. The style of player they were, the team they were playing for, and so forth. So yeah, that was an interesting. When you asked me about uh, what you know that one just now, that sort of twigged my mind a little bit. But um, so, so just on that, if you were Liverpool and you played long ball, who would you have, Messi or Ronaldo? If I was Liverpool, <laughs> what Liverpool or long, long ball? ball? Oh, I, I, I tell you what, I'd stick with the Liverpool front three at the moment. Yeah, uh, in class. <laughs> class uh it's it, the season's going to start again in a few weeks it'll be played behind closed doors yeah. um so i'm glad they've done that i'm not a liverpool fan as such but they deserve the title class but uh oh, ronaldo and messi wow fantastic two of them beautiful awesome well um from regional football hub thank you roy for taking the time to join us um i hope you enjoyed looking back at some fond memories of your time and sort of your coaching career, especially in the regional area of Riverina, and wish you all the best with your new company and um, the, the future that involves uh, what it involves with your football career. And we look forward to seeing you in the near future in the Riverina. So thank you. Am, Roy. I, allowed, am I allowed to give my company's name to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah go for it. Okay, Swansea City Coaching Consultancy. Perfect. I, think I sent you. Uh, I sent you the link there, uh, Andrew. But yeah, I, anyway. yeah. I'll make sure. I'll make sure. Uh, IT guru Kyle puts that uh, on when we do the video. That'll be no problem. So, um, you know, look for me. Thanks very much. It's been great to see you uh, after ten years. Um, well done for everything you've achieved. Thanks very much for the insights you've given us. Great Thank you, boys. You and I uh, hope to see you in person in in due course. Look forward to it. Great. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, Roy. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.